Welcome to Onco Farm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I am a professor of pharmacy practice here at the supporting sponsor of Onco Farm, ETSU's College of Pharmacy. Today we're going to kick off a, a new, um, I guess you'd call it a mini-series. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, the different and unique uh, types of positions available for oncology pharmacists. So this is going to kick off, um, you know, probably do about five of these in the first uh, season, so to speak. They'll all be on the regular pod uh, on the usual Thursday time slot. Eventually, we'll put these all together in a, in a playlist on Spotify or something. So here's the first one. You know, if you ever wondered what it's like to be uh, an MSL oncology pharmacist, uh, listen up. Well, we are pleased to welcome Kristen Thomas to Onco Farm. Welcome, Kristen. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. All right, Kristen. Let's let's briefly introduce you to the audience. So your your uh, your story starts in in Pendleton, Indiana, where you are from. Um, it does. So, so take us through kind of um, your your training up through uh, up through uh, residency. Sure. Yeah, so I have kind of a strange background for a pharmacist, but I actually have an undergrad degree in communications with a focus in print journalism from Milligan University. And I worked as a journalist full time for about five years before I decided to go back to pharmacy school. Um, so after that, I chose to pursue my PharmD and I graduated from the Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy at East Tennessee State University in 2012. Supporting and I knew going into it uh, that I wanted to do oncology. So thanks, Dr. Bazaar, for, for pushing me that direction, too. But I then did a two-year residency in New York City at New York Presbyterian Hospital. So first year general and then second year oncology focus there. Okay. And we'll, we'll come back to this kind of at the end for, for, uh, for trainees who may want to be uh, NMSL, uh, which stands yeah. for Master Science Liaison. Is that right? A medical science liaison. Medical, I mean, okay. Master I, would be a cooler, cooler title. I yes. Guess, so, all right. So we'll talk about kind of, um, you know, if you want to be an MSL, the path to get there. So after, after residency, you, you've worn a couple different hats in your career prior to yeah. MSL, uh, kind of hit the highlights yeah. there, the different things that you've done. Yeah. So for the most part, I spent my time as a clinical pharmacist. Um, a lot of it was spent at New York Presbyterian Hospital. I was both a staff member there. And then also I spent about a year and a half teaching at St. John's University. And my practice site was still at New York Presbyterian Hospital. So um, and mostly in the hematology space. So I've done lymphoma, myeloma, bone marrow transplant and leukemia when I was there. Um, I also made a brief foray back into community practice um, here in the Johnson City area. I worked at the VA hospital here and as well as Ballad Health. Um, and overlapping with my time at Ballad Health, I actually did my um, internship there. So I was a I was a tech slash intern at Ballad Health for six years, but came back as a pharmacist. And I worked PRN there at Johnson City Medical Center while also working for Micromedics. So um, did a little bit of medical writing in there while I waited for a full-time oncology position to open up Ballad. So and you had I've been some, all over the place, really. You had some clinical <laughs> uh, manager role too, correct? Yes. So my last role at Ballad was um, actually in more in management. So I was worked in the corporate pharmacy office as the oncology coordinator. Um, so just kind of oversaw a lot of the processes that go on with running oncology pharmacies across the, the whole system, um, formulary management, 
that type of thing. Okay. So we have, uh, you know, high level clinical practice as a clinical specialist. We've got some drug information, some medical writing. I had forgotten that you worked in academia also for a little bit of time uh, and management. So the whole spectrum of of what you can do as, as an oncology pharmacist. Okay. So this brings us to your current role as an MSL. So, so what do you do? Like, cause uh, I know lots of people <laughs> like you. Uh, I know many people of a similar age who have transitioned from clinical practice to MSL, maybe, you know, around the time of this pandemic. So, uh, yeah. and I, I have a vision in my mind and we've talked, uh, you know, kind of socially, usually on flights <laughs> about <laughs> that's true. About what an MSL is. So, so tell us what is an MSL? What do you do? Yeah. So medical science liaisons do vary depending on which company you work for specific duties, but the main duty I would say for most MSLs is really engaging with healthcare professionals. So that's physicians, that's mid-level practitioners, that's um, advanced practice nurses, pharmacists, et cetera. And we do that a lot around the data that comes out of our company with our products that we support. Um, so I cover solid tumors now, mainly breast, uh, gynecology, and GI. So anything that comes out with our products in terms of updated data, studies, et cetera, then I engage with physicians on that. Um, in addition, we do a lot of clinical trial support. So both recommending sites for trials based on what the, the trial group is looking for and, and finding a specific site for a trial, um, helping with site initiation visits, doing a lot of background information, answering questions, that type of thing. Um, and then there's also kind of a drug info portion to this. I mean, we have a medical information department that can field a lot of the questions that are kind of on-label type stuff, but then we get the weird questions. So for example, I had a, a, a pharmacist that, that contacted me a couple of weeks ago that was asking because one of our biologic products is made in or initially was made in hamster ovaries. And so we had a, pro- a patient that was a vegan and he wanted to know if it was still made in hamster ovaries and like going into the manufacturing process so that you know, could understand if the vegan was feeling comfortable with, with actually taking that product and if it went with their aligned with their beliefs. So we get kind of random off-label questions that we can speak to um, in that manner. So that's a lot of it. And then also we do a lot of conference coverage. So, you know, this weekend I covered a conference virtually. Um, so we just, you know, look at, or look at all the presentations, all of the discussion and kind of gather insights and in what's happening in the market and how people feel about products and kind of trends and in, in therapy. Okay. Okay. Um, so what would you say are the skills that you need to be a, a to excel as an MSL? Yeah, I think, Number one, communication skills. So that communication degree that, you know, I never thought I would use again really has come in handy, um, both as a clinical pharmacist in the hospital and also as an MSL. Um, Because bottom line, at the end of the day, it's really about relationship building. So to engage with those practitioners and to to get them to actually trust you for information and and come to you for questions, you know, you have to build that relationship first. Um, And then clear communication is also important. So, you know, knowing how to, how to frame things and how to explain data to people um, at all levels, whether that be a nurse in the clinic, whether that be a pharmacist, whether that be a physician, um, that's very important. And then kind of just a baseline clinical knowledge is super helpful. I mean, coming into the oncology space, particularly, there's so many nuances to treating disease, 
the market changes so fast. The treatment landscape is always changing. There's always a new drug um, that's coming out or being studied. So understanding how that all goes together and having that background to be able to speak to the disease state in general and not just the product, I think is super helpful. Do you follow market trends? I mean, I, I would imagine, and, and how does that change maybe from when you were a clinical specialist? Do you think about how many people are giving uh, you know, this antibody for this disease state compared to because I never think about that, but is that something that's, that comes into your, your job now? Not for me. So there's really a big separation of church and state, I would say, between the clinical folks or the medical side of things and the commercial side of things. So we don't know anything about numbers. I don't know who's prescribing what, and that's, you know, by default, that's on purpose. So we're really supposed to be there to serve the patient and what's best for the patient. And um, so I don't really follow numbers wise, who's prescribing or what the market share is, that type of thing. I follow more trends in therapy, just like I did when I was a clinical pharmacist. So this new study came out. Um, how's that going to affect, you know, what I am talking about to my physicians on a daily basis? And is this a better therapy? Is this a therapy that's going to change how we treat this particular disease state? Okay. Uh, oh, one other question. This kind of goes with what kind of what you do. Let's say, you know, one of the drugs that you, that your company makes that you're involved with supporting. And I'm like, Hey, I, you know, that drug's never been studied in, in dialysis. And we got a patient, we want to use that drug on dialysis. You know, mm -hmm. would I contact you and say, what data do you have? And if there are none, could you help us, you know, measuring some levels, seeing if, if, you know, we could figure out what a safe dose would be for this one patient. Yeah. So we can't, we don't specifically talk about one patient. That's the weirdly different part about being a clinical pharmacist versus being an MSL. So I can't help with an individual patient. I can help with data in general. So I could give you everything we've got, or if, it, if it's been studied, if it hasn't been studied, if we have you know, some data on file that hasn't been published, I can help with all of that, but I can't inform treatment decisions. So I have to say, you know, you have to go, you have to make your, use your clinical judgment as a clinical pharmacist, as a physician, and based on what I'm able to give you, then, then you have to make the decision, which is completely opposite. And probably what everyone told me would be the hardest part about transitioning from a clinical pharmacy into MSL world is that you you don't make decisions for people anymore. And that was half my job as a clinical pharmacist. The, the physicians would be like, here's what we've got. What do you think? And then you, you make your best, uh, best judgment. But I don't make judgment calls anymore. <laughs> what if it wasn't a, a specific patient, but just a general, like a, a research idea? Yeah. So research ideas, we, we kind of take all the time. Um, that is another thing we kind of do is besides supporting, in, you know, industry trials, we do support investigator initiated studies. So every pharmaceutical company is going to have some sort of strategy around smaller investigated investigator initiated trials. Um, so I can help with that a lot. So if a physician has an idea or a pharmacist has an idea for a, a study, um, you know, I can kind of look and see if it aligns with our strategy, take it back to our medical network partners that are, you know, working on that and help align those to see if it's something we'd be interested in supporting. And we do have a ton of those. I mean, it ranges from anything from a you know, retrospective study that just has a, a spin on it that's interesting, or um, maybe it's a it's a small subset of patients that weren't included in the clinical trials, but a, a facility has a lot of those patients. And maybe it's not worth doing an entire trial of three, 400 patients, but, you know, this one facility can, can generate some data and make it hypothesis generating. So perhaps we do do a bigger trial later. Okay. 
Um, all right. What, what do you, um, what do you like about being an MSL? What would you say the pros of this job are? Yeah. I mean, I would say number one is very flexible. So that's really nice. Um, and it's much more conducive to work-life balance, I would say, than my clinical life was. Um, so if you're a clinical pharmacist, particularly um, one in an institution like I was, where they rely very heavily on their pharmacist for any kind of drug decisions or, um, you know, checking interactions or what do we do with this patient, et cetera. You're kind of on all the time, 24, seven, 365. So, you know, I work, besides just working holidays and working weekends, you know, I would get calls at 2am to approve a drug or this patient got this going on. Um, can you help us? That kind of thing. So I never was off. I mean, I had my phone on on vacation for the first six years of my, my clinical career plus residency as well. Um, for a while, I was carrying an old school pager. So that was a lot of fun from, you know, going back to the 90s. But uh, so that is not the case in, in pharma. I mean, there are obviously things that are pressing that you need to deal with, but nobody's calling me at 3 a.m. because, you know, the clinical trial uh, site initiation visit got pushed back a day or something like that. You know, it's, it's le much less urgent um, on a daily basis. So that's definitely a pro. Um you know, it's been, it's a great, the company I work for is a great company to work for. I'm sure a lot of companies are, they, I feel like they really care about their employees and um, really try to, to make everything, you know, easy and listen to feedback. And, and so I think that's, that's been really great. Now, I, I kind of alluded to this earlier as kind of a joke, but so Chris and I live in the same, the same town right now. And the last time, the last two times we've seen each other, <laughs> we're on flights. Um, yep. not related, just, just happened to be on the same flight. Uh, there is only one airport in town though. Um, that is so true. if you like to travel, is that a pro of this job? Is there a lot of travel involved? And I guess it depends on yes. who you are. if there is a lot of travel that could be a pro or it could be a con depending on, on your lifestyle and your personality and stuff. Yeah, that could go either way. And I think it also depends on your territory and, how big your territory is and if it's drivable or not drivable and preferences. Um, so, you know, some people prefer to drive three or four hours, two or five hours to um, a physician office or a hospital. Some people prefer to fly. So it just depends on your personal preference. Um, for me, I'm currently covering four states. So my territory um, is my territory is normally two states, but I'm covering an I'm interim coverage for another couple of states and have been for about six months now. So, um, you know, that's probably pretty, pretty average. It depends on the size of your company and the number of products you have, how big your territory will be. So, you know, like I talked to somebody that was, um, you know, recruiting for an MSL position a while back, and they only had one MSL for the entire country. Um, because they had one product that was coming to market. And so, you know, they didn't need a ton of support. It was more of like a niche, uh, more rare tumor type thing. But, you know, you could also have, you could have 10 products. I, I support about eight products. Um, so that's why my territory is a little bit smaller than, than others. Um, so that can be a pro or a con. Um, it's a lot of fun to travel up to a point. Um, and during the pandemic, there's been pretty limited travel, actually. Um, so that may change uh, as as hopefully we we come out of this pandemic soon. Okay, so pros to summarize, you'd say more flexibility, uh, work life balance. You know, mm -hmm. you don't have to make decisions for people anymore. 
<laughs> it could be a pro or a con, depending on depends how on, what yeah, you your personality. feel about that. Okay. What would you say the cons are of, of MSL? Yeah. I mean, I think that going back to the decision-making, that could be a, a con definitely because, you know, I don't have that patient interaction anymore, which I was a part of my job that I really loved as a clinical pharmacist, you know, getting to know my patients, um, getting to see them through treatment, especially if they did well um, and, you know, could come back years later and be like, Hey, I'm still in remission. Um, you know, that, that part of my job I loved. Um, and so that ha- not having that is kind of a con, um, for me, but it may not be a con for other people. And especially during the pandemic, I think that is kind of a pro cause it was very stressful. I mean, my last position was in New York city during the pandemic. Um, so it was a very stressful work environment outside of being an oncology, but also throwing, um, the first wave of the pandemic on there. And so, you know, that stress is gone now, which, it, which I guess is a pro, not a con. Um, and then again, the travel thing could definitely be a con if you have kids, um, if you need to be home more often, if you live somewhere like we do that has a small airport, then that's definitely a con. Um, some of my coworkers that live in bigger metro areas, it's easier for them to take a flight and, you know, fly in and out the same day or in, in the morning and out the next morning. Whereas, you know, I have a little bit more limited flight options and I have to connect, unfortunately, poor Tri-Cities Airport. Um, so, you know, that, that can Charlotte. make it a little challenging. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I did just drive to Charlotte for a trip last weekend and I, I don't miss the Charlotte airport. <laughs> um, okay. So I had this question from a, a student a year ago who, who wanted mm-hmm. to be an MSL. And it's a little bit like, you know, maybe if you want to be a peds, uh, uh, oncology, oncology pharmacist, there are a couple routes to get there. So, you know, mm-hmm. your route was PGY2 oncology, and then you worked in a lot of different roles at a high level for a while, and then became an MSL. I know yeah. others will take the industry-sponsored fellowship route and start mm-hmm. their, the beginning of their career working in industry or in pharma and work to an MSL. What, you know, what are kind of the, the pros and cons of either approach? And if you had to, tell us, recommend to a student, which approach, which, what would you say? Yeah. Um, that's definitely an interesting, it's, it's interesting to see people that have gone both routes. Um, so, and there's also, you know, so the, this is just purely the pharmacist route, but if you're an advanced practice nurse, et cetera, you can also be an MSL as well, um, or a PhD. So there, there are other routes to becoming an MSL, but the pharmacy route is really those two branches. Um, I think for, Oncology in particular, it is very nice to have gone the clinical route first, um, just because you understand fully the complexities that go around oncology care. And that's both from a disease state perspective. So, you know, how we treat the, the conglomeration of diseases and, you know, they're all it's very different depending on which tumor, which area of the country you're in, et cetera. Um, so you get a little bit of those complexities, um, but you also understand Having worked in a hospital, I understand all the issues that surround that. So patient reimbursement, um, inpatient versus outpatient, um, supply chain issues, getting things on formulary, um, and and kind of patient assistance programs and care coordination and and that type of thing, and and side effects from a real-world perspective. So, you know, I, I saw the side effects happen, whereas, you know, if you just read a study you're like, oh, it's grade one, it wasn't that bad, or it was grade two, but then 
sometimes those are just as bothersome to patients as what you think is a, a really frightening, scary side effect. So I think coming into it, especially in the oncology world, with that perspective was really helpful for me. Um, and you can you can kind of learn the the industry side of things um, if you come in that way. I think going the fellowship route is helpful. It's very helpful if you're going into another area besides oncology because you get the kind of business acumen side of things that I don't think I necessarily had coming from a hospital role. Um, so, you know, the people that have done fellowships and come straight in to be an MSL, they really understand how the pharmaceutical world works, the regulatory side of things, the separation of church and state and all of that. And it, I think it becomes a little bit easier to navigate the corporate world for them um, than it was for me. I just was kind of learning my, my job and how this all worked for the first six months and asking a lot of questions from people that have been there longer than me. Can I do this? Can I not do this? You know, how do I handle these situations? So I think, again, there's pros and cons to both. I'm happy that I went the clinical route first, um, just because I also love clinical practice, but, um, you know, glad that I made the change when I did. And I think it was helpful that I had that background. Okay, uh, maybe one more question here. So if you are a oncologist, uh, oncology nurse, ad, uh, advanced practitioner, mm -hmm. pharmacist, uh, and, and you know you you meet an MSL, what as an MSL, what would you want that clinician to know about MSL? Or is there a, a misconception among clinicians about MSLs? I think sometimes if clinicians don't have a lot of experience around industry in general, um, they, they kind of associate sales and MSLs with the same thing, which we're not, we're not, um, you know, our, my sales folks that are my coworkers are awesome and I love them all. Um, but they're, they come from it from a different perspective. They don't necessarily, not all of them. Some of them are nurses or have had previous clinical practice, but they don't have to. Some of them are, have just done sales for different industries. Um, so they may not have that clinical background that an MSL does. They also can't speak to anything that's not on label, just purely by, um, you know, industry regulations. You're only going to get the on label story from them. So if you have any question that is outside what you would find in the package insert, you need to talk to an MSL. Like when it says this drug side. has not been studied in people with severe real dysfunction and you want to use it yes. with severe, you got to talk to the MSL. Exactly. Yeah. And we, because we are licensed professionals, you know, we, and we have that experience, we can speak to off-label uses legally um, versus somebody that's, that is a salesperson. They cannot. All right. Well, thank you, Kristen. You've done the college proud as uh, a <laughs> class of, was it 2012? Is that right? Yeah. 2011, 2012. 2012. All right. That means there'll be a reunion coming up soon, I suppose. Next year. So hopefully. I've seen a few of my classmates, but it'll be nice to see more of them back in the area. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining the podcast and uh, see you around town. Thanks. Thank you.